book when I was a little girl was one that I got from my godmother. It was called, I Had Trouble in Getting to Sala Salu by Dr. Seuss. It is very old now. The front and back covers are long gone. And at one point, my younger self got worried that the book was falling apart. So I secured the pages with masking tape, which is now discolored and sort of crispy. <laughs> I read the story to my children and am saving it for the next generation. In the story, a young fellow, a smallish, furry creature who is never named because he is telling his own story in the first person, discovers that where he lives, the Valley of Vong, is full of trouble. First, it's big rocks. He trips over one, sails through the air, lands hard, and sprains the tip of his tail. So he resolves to only look forward. But then, by looking forward, he misses the Quilligan quail, which bites his tail. This is Suits, it's gonna rhyme. So he is walking along, trying to look forward with one eye and backwards with the other eye. But then, oh no, new troubles. A scritz from above that wants to sting his neck and a scrink from below that wants to bite his toe. He is surrounded by troubles. A passing traveler offers to take him to the wonderful city of Sala Salu on the banks of the beautiful river Wahoo, where they never have trouble, at least very few. Along the way, he is beset by distressing obstacles, ranging from a sick camel to a bus that no longer runs to the midwinter jicker that floods him out over a cliff only to be rescued by Genghis Khan, General Genghis Khan Schmitz, who wants our beleaguered hero to help him go to war against the perilous poozer of Palmamoose Pass with only a pea shooter and one little bean. Of course, there are many more poozers than just the perilous one, and our hero must run for his life. He ends up going down a hole in a vent and through a long tunnel, meeting with all kinds of craziness that he doesn't understand, including bird traffic that's going the wrong way. He eventually finds a trap door and emerges on the beautiful banks of the River Wahoo. He is almost there. <coughs> he finally gets to Sala Salu, but finds out that he can't get in. There is only one trouble at Sala Salu, and it's that there is only one door, and there is only one key. And just recently, a key-slapping slipper has taken up residence in the keyhole and will not let the doorman insert the key to open the door to let anyone, including the young fellow, in. The doorman gives up and takes off for Bula Boo Ball on the banks of the beautiful river Woo Wall, where they never have troubles, no troubles at all. He invites the young fellow to come with him. But our young hero is not gonna fall for that again. Instead, he goes home with a big bat, determined that his troubles were going to have trouble with him. It's pretty obvious to me 
that Dr. Seuss was familiar with the passage from scripture from the Gospel of Luke that we heard today. The demon-possessed man is our young hero, striving, struggling, fighting overwhelming odds against a legion of troubles with no help, and those who should be helping chain him up, delaying and frustrating him. In the 21st century, it may be difficult to imagine what being possessed by a multitude of demons really means or is really like. Is a demon a quilligan quail that wants to bite us when we're not looking? Or is it depression, anxiety, psychosis, grief, or guilt? Is it a key-slapping slippered or our own fears? Fear of success, fear of loss, fear of making waves, fear of the other? Luke doesn't tell us much about the demon-possessed man. He must be a Gentile because he's living in a Gentile area. These folks keep pigs, which a Jewish farmer would never do. The demon-possessed man stays in tombs where people are buried, which is an unclean place for a Jew. We don't know what haunts him, but he is deeply disturbed, so much so that like our young Seuss hero, he leaves his home. He is by, beset by what? Guilt, sorrow, mental illness? No way to know, but nothing eases his tortured mind. There is no help until Jesus comes to him and offers healing. Jesus is moving outside the Jewish community to spread the good news beyond Israel. Jesus has recently calmed a, sea, a storm at sea and now he calms this human storm. He is not the Salasalu doorman who can only offer to lead him somewhere else with a false promise of no more troubles. The man is healed, cleaned up, and soon is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening intently. The good news of the gospel is for this Gentile man, just as it is for us today. The good news is that there is healing with Jesus. There is hope with Jesus. There are no barriers of guilt, sorrow, physical or mental illness that can keep us from a relationship with Jesus. The last bit of this passage speaks to a slightly different aspect of the story of this now well man. He begs Jesus to let him go with him, but Jesus says no. Go home and declare what God has done for you. Like our Dr. Seuss hero, he must go home and face his troubles, and he is commissioned to declare what God in Jesus has done for him. Luke, at the last of this passage, reminds us that God's saving power is at work in Jesus and is for everyone. But this man is not being told to become a fisher of people like the apostles. He has a different vocation and mission. He is to stay in his own Gentile community and talk about the saving power of God. Jesus invites all who are in relationship with him to become part of that mission. Being healed is the beginning of the good news, not the end. This must be devastating for the man. Here he is, now whole and in relationship with Jesus, a first-hand witness to God's healing power, and he can't stay with Jesus and his friends. He has to go home 
and face the consequences of the last few years of his life. A new beginning, but with lots of baggage. Again, the good news is that he now has the strength of his relationship with God to make the beginning truly new and truly good news. Our furry friend has a bat. The demon-possessed man has his relationship with God in Jesus. This past week at the KVA, the kids have experienced Joy Story based on Toy Story, which is a story about toys discovering or reaffirming their identity and purpose. They are Andy's toys. Woody knows this because he has Andy's name written on the bottom of his shoe. The formerly demon-possessed man, too, now has an identity and purpose. He has God's name written on his heart and on his fate. Woody knows that as Andy's toy, he has relationships and responsibilities, which he takes very seriously. The primary relationship, though, is what drives him. The relationships with the other toys reflect how seriously he takes that primary relationship with Andy, just as the Gerasenes man obediently goes back to the town and community where he lives and makes his declaration based on his primary relationship with God and Jesus. This is a brave move. His former identity is that of a scary, possessed guy who hasn't been fit to live with other people for a long time. He declared what Jesus did for him, even though part of what Jesus did was not popular and, that, and made that area too dangerous for Jesus to stay in. The man's new relationship and new purpose gave him the courage to trust and to do as he was bid by Jesus. As always, scripture gives answers and invites questions. What is my relationship with God in the person of Jesus? How does my Christian identity affect my healing and how I talk about it? Is my identity as a child of God written on my shoe where I can see it and be reminded of it? Am I ready to rely on this identity to do the hard things God may ask of me? to feel compassion and responsibility that people would call bums or crazy, to recognize that they are on a journey and being tested, just as we are being tested, to be courageous and to, see compa and to have our compassion rise up to help those in need, tested to risk our attachment to our resources in the service of others. Woody makes a difficult journey and eventually comes back to his home triumphant. Our furry friend and the demon-possessed man also make difficult journeys and return home changed. We too make difficult journeys. Difficult journeys help us to feel compassion and empathy for our fellow travelers. Difficult journeys help us to appreciate what we have and what we could lose at any moment. Journeys test us, test our ability to give generously of our resources and our abundance. Journeys challenge us to love and to trust in our primary relationship with God. Amen.
Please be able. Please let us say together the words of the 19th Creed, now on page 5. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty. 